Hello and welcome to another episode of uh, the Belfield Journal. We're back after a long hiatus to uh, once again look at the world and uh, interview activists and people involved in the work of actually doing politics and fighting for change. Um, and as well as laughing at um, the stupid and weird things that most of the media have to say about this. Um, and we're honored this episode to be joined by uh, Lauren, who is a um, activist involved in the Black Lives Matter movement in the United States that's uh, grabbed the popular attention of the media around the world at the moment. So welcome to the show. Thank you. So uh, I think we can skip talking about the news at the moment because most of the news around the world other than that is uh, the fact that everyone's still in quarantine. So if I Mm -hmm. But before we get into the show proper, just a quick note about the quality. We are recording this over Zoom using the onboard mics of our laptops, so apologies for the steep, steep drop in quality for this episode from previous ones. I'm not apologizing for anything, and if our listeners expected quality, they should have gone elsewhere. <laughs> That's true. Uh, if they expected quality, they wouldn't be our listeners. <laughs> so, uh, I guess... First question, how are, how are you doing, Lauren? How has uh, it's all gotten very intense recently? So if, how, how, how have you been coping? Um, I've been coping by trying to make myself useful when I'm not able to be protesting. Um, I've been collecting donation receipts from friends and family and friends of friends to uh, send to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation because I've got a cousin that works there. And for all employees, um, they're tripling all donations that are related to them. Uh, luckily, I'm able to encompass like the $20,000 that I've collected in donation receipts. Um, so they can triple that. So they'll be donating uh, 60,000, probably more because I don't plan on stopping anytime soon to all these different organizations that my friends uh, have been donating to. So that has been really nice um, and kind of a nice way to me to a nice way for me to look away from some of the horrible videos you see online. Um, I'll wake up sometimes and just be traumatized. Um, you slowly kind of get back into the gear of, you know, like this is just what's going on right now. And I don't know. There's no need to stop because little changes are happening here and there. So you just kind of continue. And are those donations being tripled back to the organizations that the original donation was made to? Yes, they are. Uh, we'll put a link in the bio for the show of uh, and on Twitter and everything for people to be able to it has, they have to DM us the receipts so that we can send it to you so you can all come under related to the employee. So yeah. we'll yeah. put it out that way. And uh, I can't think of anything better for Bill and Melinda Gates' money to go to. Um, mm -hmm. certainly, nothing, certainly nothing they themselves wanted to do with it. So, yeah, uh, exactly. And they're incredibly generous too. Technically, um, there's a cap, I think, on um, how much an individual employee is allowed to donate, but I've been contacting them. Um, and the person I spoke to yesterday, the representative was absolutely floored by the amount that I've collected so far. Um, they have no problem <laughs> giving away their money. I know Apple too is doubling all donations. Um, and you can directly submit your receipt to Apple um, if you're more comfortable doing that instead of tripling your donation under uh, my cousin's name. But yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, increasing your impact however you can. So you had been at the protests for the first two days in DC, you said. 
Wow. What was that like? What was the mood like? How did, how was that? The birthday was really ominous uh, in terms of the riot police um, firing stuff into us. Um, but the crowd itself that I was in, I uh, was really angry, really passionate um, about having their voices heard. Um, second day was a little less uh, violent than the first um, in terms of riot police shooting gas and pepper bullets and things like that. Granted, I left around 9 p.m. Um, so I left before the curfew and I have my boyfriend Danny here with me who stayed um, really late into both of those days and beyond that. And he's also in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, so I'm from Washington, D.C., if I didn't make that clear. Um, and yeah, it's just incredible seeing um, how violent uh, the right police can be and how they escalate things. Um, meanwhile, on our side of the protesters, it's peaceful. You know, we're just here to have our message heard and we're responded to with being shot at. Uh, Danny, do you want to jump in and tell us about what it was like when it got a bit later on in the evening post curfew? Yeah, yeah, of course. <clears throat> so um, the first day that we went together was Saturday. There was a protest before on Friday, but I know that the, the worst three days of the protesting in regards to police brutality, violence, and uh, aggression were Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Um, so when we went on Saturday, there was tear gas and pepper bullets uh, being shot out of uh, paintball guns into the crowd. Um, at that point, the police only had a, basically a concert barricade up between the protesters and the riot police who were made up of the Presidential Secret Service the Metro DC Police Department and the National Park De Police Department. Also Arlington Police Department. And, the and I didn't know, that, but the Arlington Police Department. Um, and so when me and Lauren were there on Saturday, it was kind of like she said, it was extremely passionate and people were angry and rightfully so. And so there were people throwing things at the police, but none of it, there's no, there's no reason that the police should have feared for their life or felt in danger when they're head to toe in riot gear and having water bottles thrown at them. And then as you get later into the night, once the sun goes down, they put up big floodlights pointed at the protesters um, so that they can see us and we can't see them, kind of a blinding thing. But as soon as the mayor put a curfew on the city at 11 on Sunday, that's when the arrests started to happen. And you would get on top of the tear gas and pepper bullets and flashbangs that they tried to use to disperse the crowds. They would come in like a, a phalanx situation uh, to kind of try and push everybody out into the streets away from what's called Lafayette Square, which is the, the park in front of the White House. But in those first I mean, it's a, it's it's just a lot to try and, and get into, but it's it it's it's a it's, it was an extremely violent time, I guess. Just like throughout all of it, especially after it got dark and you would just everything escalated, and and the reason that it escalated was due to having the police there and all in riot gear and 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 what they were doing, because like Lauren said, I I went to Baltimore for one day and I I went to protest there to see what it was like and see a friend or two of mine that were up there and there was no police presence. They marched through the whole city. 
I didn't see a single cop. I didn't see any, or when I did see cops, I didn't see them in riot gear. And it was, it was an absolute total difference from what DC was like. And on that same day was the worst day in DC for protesters being beaten and, and attacked by the police. Was Sunday the day that they brought the helicopter out? No, it was Monday. So that was, and on Monday they brought a helicopter down below within a hundred feet of the street on a, on a residential avenue to try and like kick up debris and glass. Yeah. And scare out everybody. And, and people that lived on that street brought pr protesters into their homes and the police proceeded to fire tear gas canisters into people's homes and cars on that street for the next hour until they left. And the protesters, hundreds of protesters waiting inside people's homes to go out at 6 a.m. in the morning to try and get home. Jesus. Uh, I mean... Also, the helicopter, apparently um, the Secretary of Defense in my country is opening an investigation because it's a helicopter owned by the National Guard, but nobody authorized that flight, apparently. Nobody knows who was flying that helicopter. That was aimed at civilians and kicking up debris into their eyes and things like that. So that's terrifying to know that. They don't know what that was. I'm sure they know exactly what was going on. Um, and they're just saying that, but I don't know. And oh, I, re I reckon if anyone gets in trouble for that, that's just scapegoating the, the fact that they wanted it there anyway, though. Yeah. And I'd like to point out one thing is that aside from it being extremely tense and, and aggressive at, at times, it's extremely beautiful and moving to see all these people in, in the most diverse DC crowd ever, I've ever seen all together fighting for the same thing. And you have people that are acting as medics because people are, are being tear gassed and maced and need help. And, and you have just regular civilians, not in medical professions, getting all this supplies ready to try and carry people out. And, and everybody is just like linked arms, like fighting for the same, same thing. And it's, it is extremely moving to watch and, and, kind of a, it eclipses the fear that you might have of being shot with whatever it is or tear gassed is the motivation to be with all these people fighting for this for black lives matter movement for george floyd for ahmaud arbery for brianna taylor for everybody that's been a victim of police brutality it's 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 a very moving experience a slight human interest question, but are you, did you physically get hurt? Are you okay? Uh, I'm sorry, could you say that again? There's a lot of reverb. I was just asking if, if you got physically hurt on any of the days or if you were lucky enough not to get injured. Uh, no, I, I definitely was uh, hit by all things used yeah. by the riot police. Hit in the, in the chest with pepper bullets or anywhere I've, I, I couldn't count the amount of times I got hit with the pepper bullets but like flashbangs or, or throwing tear gas canisters back or, or throwing up or getting it in your eyes or on the last day that I saw any any violence was two days ago I went I was at the protest really late um, and it had been peaceful all day it was it was a really 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 beautiful peaceful protest um, and that was on uh, Tuesday and uh, 
at the end, it kind of just evolved and, and the leadership and organization had kind of fizzed out um, and it, it got it got bad for a little bit. And I watched somebody get maced and had to carry that person out. And I had mace all over me, but nothing, nothing super terrible. And I wasn't arrested and I luckier than 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 some in that regards. Yeah. And then I haven't been hurt at all either. I've definitely smelled tear gas. Um, nobody has maced me in the face, luckily. I know that cops are pulling off people's masks to mace them. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're a child, it doesn't matter if you're 75 years old. It's horrifying to see, but it's important to see, I think, um, the things that people are posting um, on social media. Because the news is doing kind of a shitty job of uh, making it so that everything is being reported. They're focusing on looting, things like that. I know they were super critical of Trump gassing protesters um, so we could walk across the street to take um, a picture in front of that church with the Bible. And that was 25 minutes before curfew that those people were being gassed and shoot out. But yeah, it's horrifying. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you like make of the, the claim that a lot of especially a lot of sort of mainstream liberal media started making at the start that uh, all of the violence was um, outside agitators or it wasn't anything to do with it or yeah. um, and then the counter response that I've seen a lot of pointing out that most police officers are not from the cities they're supposed to be protecting and are surely the, the outside agitators and the ones responsible for the vast majority of the violence. Yeah, I definitely agree that the police are responsible for a majority of the violence. I know Danny have firsthand experience, mm -hmm. like seeing people who have nothing to do with yeah. um, the protest showing up and kind of ruining mm -hmm. the peace and putting other protesters in danger. I'll let you talk about that. Um, I, I agree with Lauren and also what you said about the police at times being outside agitators. A lot of the times when you become a police officer, you might not be you might get stationed different places, but, and especially the secret service. And I have to say that those are, have been some of the more aggressive, probably not more so than just the normal police officers, but I watched a secret service officer who I'm, I could tell, I would bet my life on is not from the DC area, pick up his foot to stomp a young black girl into the ground that only stopped me and the people around him were screaming at him. And so like, it's not that, it's not that every, all the police officers aren't from there or that there aren't also outside agitators that aren't with the movement that are causing destruction because I'm sure that is a case in small instances and that's what you see covered on the, on the media. But it's, it's absurd what doesn't get covered and what really is the worst part is that the police are with, without any conscience just brutally instigating and, and escalating when their job is to de-escalate everything going on. I think too for um, any people of color that are starting violence, um, we were at, I think this was the first day two white girls came up to the very front of um, the protest line where we were right like face to face with the riot police in DC um, and people were throwing water bottles and this black woman uh, looked at these two girls, these two white girls that were saying, please stop throwing water bottles. You're giving them a reason to shoot into us, yada, yada, yada. This black uh, woman was like, stop telling black people how to be mad. And I think that that is something that people that are condemning violence should also hear. Absolutely. Um, that you're not supposed to tell people how to grieve when there's been this, like, extrajudicial killings for as long as can be 
I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating. I loved hearing that though. And it's something that I've certainly repeated to others around me. Um, and I thank you. Mm, it's uh, a big thing of not protesting how others are protesting. Yeah. And especially in those first three days when, or four, four days, however long, when, when the majority of the like instigating, I guess, on the, on the protesters part of just throwing water bottles or a firework or whatever it may be, or the looting that you, you hear about in the stories is, it was valid and, it, and it's an acceptable way for people to, to grieve. And, and as a white person, you don't get the, you have no right to tell a whole race of people who have been prosecuted for the past 400 years how to, how to act in any situation like this. Especially when peaceful protests didn't work at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and the fact to say that, oh, why don't you just be peaceful when it doesn't work at all? And now you have all four cops have been charged. But that's not and enough. that's not enough. And that's not enough. But it's because of what? It's because of the protesting and the rioting. That kind of leads on to the next, my next question, which is a lot of, especially in international news I've seen, a lot of people are describing it as protests against specifically against the uh, killing of George Floyd um, and not necessarily contextualizing it in the history of, or even the current like 2019, 2020 statistics on police brutality. And they're just looking at it as being about that instant rather than like that instant being sort of a straw that broke the camel's back. So I wonder if you could t talk about, you know, over the past, few years since the uh, movement or since the Black Lives Matter movement became sort of a became a feature in discourse after Ferguson like how's the, what's the experience been like sort of in the intervening years can you repeat the last half of your question sorry sorry um, I'm, I'm just asking um, how like how would you just explain it to someone who or sort of the international media, the people who understand that the protests are purely in response to the um, killing of George Floyd. Right. I think that people should keep their ears and their hearts open at all times. They have so much to learn um, because just seeing this as a response to George Floyd alone if you go out on the street and you look at anybody's sign, they don't have just one name written down. It's not just one name spray painted on the walls. Um, it's as many as we can remember in recent history. It goes all the way back to Emmett Till. This is a boy that was uh, killed um, because this white girl uh, had falsely accused him of assaulting her and his mother had an open casket funeral um, just to show how horribly he was beaten. Uh, by the police. He was 12. Yeah, he was 12 years old. So I've seen signs that say his name, and that was, I can't remember the year that took place then. And I've seen signs that say George Floyd. I've seen signs that have the names of people that have been killed in protests. So yeah, I think to, to think that it's just a response to George Floyd is uh, irresponsible and extremely ignorant. And um, I, I guess it's something of just watching the news only and not looking at what your friends have posted that have attended these protests. Um, yeah. Um, besides giving money, which obviously everyone listening to this can do and send the receipts, DM the receipts so that they can get them tripled. Uh, what do you, what, if you could ask for something that people in Ireland, people who would be listening to us could do to help, what else would you sort of ask for is a, 
sort of act of solidarity if people wanted to provide solidarity of some kind and what just weren't sure how. Yeah. I think if you have a black square on your Facebook or your Instagram, remove it. Um, if that's your way of showing solidarity alone, um, that's something that we don't need. Um, we need information being spread around in any way possible. Um, I know people are using Instagram and Facebook as a way of tagging where riot police are or ICE detainees and things like that. Um, so circulating that information so uh, your Irish friends can see what is going on in the States and what is going on in the world. I've seen images from Sweden of um, police beating peaceful protesters in a mall uh, that was in Stockholm. And uh, I don't know, there's so much that could be done. Um, beyond spreading information, there's ways to donate. I have a specific like uh, information set that I reposted on Instagram that if you don't have any money, you can just go to these websites and play ads over and over and over again. Um, and that's a nice way if you have free time, you're not doing anything else. Um, you can, you're more than welcome to collect receipts from friends or family and send them to me. Yeah, there's so many different ways to get involved. Um, also speaking to your family members uh, that are racist, calling them out. Um, I've had some hard conversations with people recently. And even though they're really hard to have, you cannot, and you should not let anything slide um, that you feel is wrong. It's just awareness and being mindful, I guess, of the space you take up uh, physically and digitally as well. Um, yeah, just using all of that for good, using all of that to fuel the movement, because it's, uh, I've been talking to um, some older people, like in their 40s and 50s, telling me that they've never felt something this huge in this country um maybe the rodney king riots back in 91 92 uh in la were close but this is huge and it's amazing to see how big it is um and just i guess don't return to your normal life uh and don't think that there's a normal life you can return to even if you are irish um and you're not in the u.s at all I think this is something that is worldwide, um, that condemnation of the police, that need to abolish the police, um, you know, get those thoughts in your head, help circulate them. You can write to our senators and block up their emails, uh, even if you're not a US citizen. If you're um, signing petitions, you're more than welcome to use any zip code in the USA. We need your name, we need your space, and we need your white skin. <laughs> use a privilege uh, to help. Uh, people of color. Uh, after, after we're done recording, I might get a few more of those links off of you just to help share them around as well. I don't think I have anything else to ask. I think that's a really powerful, like, recounting of your experiences. I mean, Jesus. I know um, tomorrow we're going to be down in DC. That aim is to get a million people down there. Um, so I've been trying to get anybody that I can um, to come aboard. Uh, and protest with us. I don't think those will turn violent because the mayor of DC has, uh, she's been really defiant um, these last couple of days. Uh, she demanded that Trump take out the National Guard. Um, so I don't know if they're still there. Danny, I know you were there yesterday. Um, I didn't see the National Guard yesterday, but with the removal of the National Guard, you had the inserting of every law enforcement agency in DC present. So FBI, DEA, Homeland Security, ICE. Um, so everything and all these people all in different gear, ready for something. So it's, it's 
and and to be honest, the National Guard was the most peaceful group of de-escalators, quote unquote, that were employed in D.C., I think. But I don't believe that the protests that on Saturday will be violent at all, especially with that many people. It's just overwhelming. Uh, there's no, you kind of yeah. just have to let people protest. Yeah. So the D.C. mayor also um, put this, it's like two blocks long. She wrote Black Lives Matter in yellow in the street, and she renamed Lafayette Square which is right outside of the White House, Black Lives Matter Plaza, which these things are super performative. Danny and I were talking earlier, um, but it's better than nothing, I guess. I think what matters the most is her refusal to instate another curfew. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm appalled that there was even a curfew in the first place. I know in Chicago, it was like 6 p.m. Yeah. Across the country, we had curfews. Chicago has been the worst city for arresting, too. They, on the first day that people were arrested, during protesting, they had over a thousand people arrested, which is double the amount that any city even got close to. Yeah. Those curfews also give these police a license to shoot and like aim for your eyes, to arrest you, to rip off your masks and spray um, mace at you. It's horrible. Also, the place that Trump took a, um, a picture in front of holding his Bible, that was like an area set up to treat wounds from bashings and being uh, gassed in the face. So it's really telling of our president uh, to to gas and shoot out um, off-duty doctors and nurses and just volunteers there to help people um, upon peaceful protesters. Um, I think not to mention throwing out supplies, snacks, yeah, food, and water. Yeah, we've uh, seen images of police uh, pulling out knives and stabbing water bottles um, of helping hands of the police, throwing water bottles away. You told me in Philadelphia, uh, you heard about white supremacists uh, showing up to protect the police. They showed up to protest with baseball bats. Um, I don't know if they hit anybody. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. There's a long way to go. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I have any more direct questions to ask. I that's like a- I have a question for, to for you, you guys. You have a question? Go on. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to know how, how much of the, so our our timelines on our social media platforms are completely covered with videos of police brutality, riots, protesting, this, that, and other. How much of that are you all seeing as well? Well, me and Nathan would kind of be outliers because we are primarily, like, on our main profiles, at least, we're both, like, journalists, political people. So, like, mm -hmm. I know for me, it's, I'd say about 80 to 90% that kind of content, and then 10% disability and LGBT activism, which there's an overlap there as well. But I know on my, on my private, which I've had since I was 14, and so it was much more disorganized, it's still, I'd say about 70% minimum, that kind of content. Okay. There's a lot of people in Ireland, at least who are in the same circles as we're in, are. Uh, paying attention. Now, a lot of them have only posted black squares for whatever it was on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, like my Instagram was just impossible to look at because it was just yeah. black squares, often from people who never post any other time, which mm -hmm. seems to me to, to only post on the blackout day seemed to me to be counterproductive. It was um, extremely productive and yeah. it made it really hard for people that were protesting to find any information that was important to them in regards yeah. to presence or uh, supplies or safe houses, safe areas, or where ICE deta the detention people were 
or just anything about that was important to people that were on the ground doing anything, you could not get any messages across. Yeah, Nathan, uh, I know I sent you the um, uh, thing that my friend had posted, um, hashtagging like uh, Make America Great Again, All Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter. Um, so people ended up protesting digitally. Um, so uh, a lot of my friends would post black tiles and then take those tags um, to black out those feeds. Um, and if you go to the All Lives Matter tag or the Make America Great Again or Trump 2020, if you look through it on uh, like the end of Tuesday, you can see they were completely blacked out because there were some theories going around that it was like somebody in the government or some white supremacist that had started Blackout Tuesday to kind of push down the movement and push down and suppress information for us to access. There's a lot of misinformation going around, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the intention of Blackout Tuesday. Um, I know, it, I think it started in the music industry too. Um, so they tend to be malintentioned. Well, well I, I think they, they try to have good intentions, but they uh, are super, super performative and they don't do anything else. Who's the Virgil Abloh? Yeah, <laughs> donated $50. Virgil, Virgil Abloh, the owner of Off-White and the head designer for Louis Vuitton right now, donated $50. <laughs> no, he's been he's been getting it on twitter people are people are people are blasting them that that's that's nothing for me and i'm currently unemployed and living on benefits like that's yeah yeah from Jesus. some of the things that i've collected um these are my friends who are also unemployed and i'm not gonna name any names but i've seen incredible amounts coming from people who have nothing to do right now are living off benefits they're just sending their whole checks over every time they get it from the government jesus um i, I mean it's i think it's a, there is a line between to actually answer your question directly i think there is a line between established media and social media and yeah. even people not and a lot of young people in ireland who would be in the same sort of circles as i am and H's are still engaged in some way. So Instagram was a shit show because of everyone just posting the squares, but Twitter, especially Facebook less so, is just very much full of videos, uh, like people doing the, on the first day, just the Minnesota Freedom Fund donated, yeah. like 10 euros, pass it on, like the next person does it. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a lot of people sharing videos of um, actual videos of police brutality happening um, to like contextualize it. So everyone, so we've seen, I, we, I've probably seen sort of maybe 10% of the videos that you'd have seen because you'd see it a lot more, but like, it's one of the reasons your stories aren't like they're appalling, but it's not shocking because we have just been seeing videos of it. It's just kind of, it's, people we wouldn't know wouldn't have a name to attach to it's just someone in a crowd being hit in the face or hit with a rubber bullet um yeah. uh, it's it's also it also manages to manage to kick off a discourse about racism in ireland and police brutality in ireland which i think are both yeah because there, there is a very much a perception in ireland that it doesn't exist here so much and this has really kind of enabled a lot of activists in Ireland to kind of bring it forward and be like, no, it's here too. Just because our police don't carry guns doesn't mean they don't brutalize black people regularly here. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And it's also, I think, 
brought the discourse around direct provision and how we treat refugees back to the fore as well. It's reinstigated a lot of that side of activism here. And that, that's, I think is also important to note is that a lot of this activism is hopefully gonna carry over to when this might not, I don't wanna say slow, but when it, when it comes to a point where people are comfortable with what is the change that is happening, you hear a lot of people in the, in the protests and on their signs and saying, like, don't worry, we haven't forgot about the kids that you put in cages in the in the South of America. Don't worry, like we're coming for like uh, trans lives matter, LGBTQ problems, uh, refugee problems. Like it's it's a it's a it's a spur of of activism in totality. And right now, the main focus is is the Black Lives Matter movement. It's I mean, it, I, I I like what you were saying about how it's nice to see, or not nice, but like beautiful to see that there is some level of lots of people getting involved and there's a lot of energy. So, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, that the energy keeps being directed and keeps being put towards fighting for these causes. Um, I think it will. Um, just seeing the fact that the protests have spanned the entire world um, and all 50 states. The last time all 50 states agreed on anything, it was to leave. Uh, the um well and that wasn't even 50 states <laughs> that was 13 that was yeah that uh got on three boats and sailed over to this country uh looted native americans etc um yeah there's a lot of hypocrisy in this country and we don't agree on anything like all of us um as one are never united even though it's in the name we are never united about anything um so it's just amazing to see that uh, actual United States against police brutality, against so much. Um, yeah, I'm here for it. I do not think it's going to end anytime soon. I hope not, at least. Um, well, I mean, just before, I don't, again, I don't have any other questions. So uh, if, unless there's anything else you want to ask me, I think, uh, well, uh, keep on fighting the good fight. Black Lives Thanks. Matter. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, and thank you for, like, taking the time like that you could be using to recuperate or plan to come and talk to us like it's really appreciated i really appreciate you having our voices and hearing our message and spreading uh what we're doing it's so meaningful because even though um you know you might not have the biggest following ever you know things happen in chains i guess um so it's nice to have you know some people talk and be inspired to have those conversations with their families, um, just to denounce their racism and things like that. Uh, it's really meaningful that you have the space for us. I really appreciate it. And listen to your friends who are people of color. Don't- Don't just, tell them how to act. <laughs> yeah, don't tell them don't. what to do and listen to them. Yeah. Please hear their voices and, and, and encourage people to stop getting a lot of their takes from white, News reporters. Yeah, people like white celebrities or other things like that, and do take the time to do your research and educate yourself. Well, I mean, yeah. Um, second, what Age is saying. I mean, thank you very much for taking your time out. Um, if we get any of the, if anyone sends us our receipts, we'll. Uh, is there a date on the receipts, by the way? Because I know a number no. of people who had donated early on. So if I encourage them to send them over to me that I could send them to you anyway, even though it was a few days before you posted that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. 
that should be fine. Um, again, as I said, the Gates Foundation is incredibly generous. And I've talked to a couple of former employees beyond uh, my cousin. And yeah, they have money to give. Does not matter a date. I don't think it's closing anytime soon. I know this has historically been their thing um, to triple donations. So send them as they come in. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. 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 <laughs> Uh, due to the nature of this week's topic, uh, we've made a decision to not include a reading series, um, which just didn't feel appropriate. So this is it for this episode of Belfield Journal. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Danny and Lauren for coming on and speaking to us, especially um, Danny, who for context um, was sort of drafted live as we were recording. So uh, incredibly good to tell us a story and uh, speak to us. Uh, I've been Nathan and uh, you'll hear us, I'm not going to say next week, next time we do an episode. Next and time we do an episode. I might yeah. bully Nathan into letting me do some of our historic recordings because um, I like editing. And, and, and click those links and donate and DM me your receipts and Black Lives Matter. <laughs>